It's been an up and down season so far for Shane Beamer and the South Carolina Gamecocks, but there has been one main bright spot on the offensive side of the ball. The emergence of Xavier Leggett and Mario Anderson Jr. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks Podcast, where we cover your team, the South Carolina Gamecocks, every single day. I'm Andrew Lyon, the host of this podcast and also a staff writer for Gamecocks Digest on SI.com. The Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, as always, is free and available both on YouTube and wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Lockdown College for $20 off your first purchase. Gamecock fans, I can understand that a lot of you are probably feeling a bit down right now when it comes to South Carolina's football team because the Gamecocks are coming off of a 41-20 to loss to the Tennessee Volunteers. That loss putting the Gamecocks at 2-3 and now on the season, 1-2 in conference play, and now it kind of seems like the main goal for this team just has to be trying to make it back to a bowl game in their third season under the watch of head coach Shane Beamer. But there has been a couple bright spots on this team so far this season. And the one bright spot that I want to talk about to start today's show is the emergence of two key offensive skill players in Xavier Leggett and Mario Anderson Jr. The main question that I want y'all to keep in your mind as we go through this conversation is this. What would each of these position groups look like right now without either of these guys. Let's start with Xavier Leggett. And obviously by this point, I think that everybody pretty much knows Xavier Leggett's story. Xavier Leggett lost both of his parents when he was growing up. And obviously he goes to Mullins High School, ends up being a really good athlete there, starring for their football team. He comes to South Carolina. He's going to play wide receiver for the Gamecocks. And the first four years... Not really a whole lot happens, and that's partly because of the fact that, you know, some guys, they just were, I guess, a little bit more ready at the time than Xavier Leggett was. Obviously also had a bit of a moped accident during his time here in Columbia. That took place about a year or two ago. The point being is, life has not always dealt the best of hands to Xavier Leggett. And Xavier Leggett, despite all of that, despite the amount of times where he probably could have just sat down and just decided, you know what? I think I am done with football. He instead persevered through all of the adversity. He got to this past offseason, decided that he was done being sort of the second or third wide receiver, that he wanted to be one of the top wide receivers for this team and also clearly one of the best wide receivers in this conference. He put in the work this past offseason had one of the best off-seasons that wide receivers coach Justin Stepp had ever seen from a guy that he had actually coached in his career. And with his near 600 receiving yards on the season to this point, Xavier Leggett has the most receiving yards through the first five games of a regular season since Alshon Jeffrey and his near Belitnikoff award-winning season in 2010. That is the kind of season that Xavier Leggett is putting together. And when you consider the fact that no other receiving target to this point has recorded more than 200 receiving yards, uh, yeah, if Xavier Leggett was not on this football team right now, 
I think that we could be looking at a vastly different picture in terms of the offensive side of the football. Because Spencer Rattler, sure, he has played great to this point in the season, despite what all happened in the Tennessee game. But you've got to have the big-time receiving threats to go with that really talented quarterback, to go with an elite quarterback. And Xavier Leggett has been that guy for Spencer Rattler to this point in the football season. Switching gears over to Mario Anderson Jr., South Carolina, their rushing attack has been flat out non-existent to this point in the season. And up until the Mississippi State game, it almost looked like that South Carolina was going to have to run essentially an air raid type offense where they were going to basically ask Spencer Rattler to throw the ball 40 plus times a game to give the Gamecocks any chance of winning their matchup. But in week four, that thought process changed a little bit because of Mario Anderson Jr. Anderson had gotten some carries against the Georgia Bulldogs, especially early on, and got a noticeable uptick in snaps in that football game. And he did a good enough job in that game to where the coaching staff decided that, hey, we need to give this kid some more opportunities in our next matchup against Mississippi State. And Mario Anderson Jr., he took full advantage of that. And sure, the stat line does not exactly jump off the page to you. He only rushed for, I believe, 88 yards, but 68 of those yards came after contact. He was hit countless times behind the line of scrimmage, at the line of scrimmage, and yet Mario Anderson Jr. has given this running back room, has given this rushing attack a little bit of a dangerous trait in the sense that he can actually make plays happen when plays are not there. That is something that every running back has got to be able to do for their offense. And to be quite frank, with the other running backs that had gotten snatched to this point in the season, South Carolina, they weren't getting very much of that. And so for Mario Anderson Jr. to be able to now show the last two games that he can not only bounce off of would-be tacklers, run through would-be tacklers, and also hit a hole and zoom past all 11 defenders on the football field, this guy now has given South Carolina hope in their running back room. Hope that maybe, hey, this rushing attack is not going to be pedestrian this year. We've got a guy back there that can mask some of the issues that we might have up front right now. I think that maybe by this point in the season, especially with what he's done at his new stop, that some fans out there might appreciate a little bit more what Marshawn Lloyd did while he was here at South Carolina might understand that, especially last year, he masked a lot of issues up front for an offensive line that, sure, was better than this current offensive line is, but not by much. He leaves, and some of those guys leave, and now all of a sudden you see what happens with this ground attack. But, to get back to the guys that are still here with this football program, Mario Anderson Jr., he has probably made Spencer Rattler sleep a little bit better at night because he is somebody that can be relied on back there. He is somebody that can make something out of nothing, even the three-yard carries that he might get at times. He's also gotten so much better in terms of pass protection from the time that he got his initial snaps in the Furman game to the Georgia, Tennessee, Mississippi State games. You watch all those games back. He has clearly progressed at both recognizing the extra blitzer much faster than he did at the beginning, and also, again, holding his own. He has given South Carolina reason to believe 
that this ground attack can at least at times offer a little bit of assistance to Spencer Rattler. Just enough in order to prevent defenses from just pinning their ears back and going after South Carolina star quarterback. So for that reason, I think that these two guys have been the biggest bright spot for this team. Because, again, you can make the argument for Spencer Rattler. You could possibly make the argument for maybe a defender or two on this team. But without these two guys, I don't know where South Carolina's offense would be. But I can promise you that it would probably be even more so in the gutter than it already is right now. So, Xavier Leggett and Martin Anderson Jr. for South Carolina, they got to hope that these guys continue to bring it week in and week out in the second half of this season. Obviously, I alluded to it at the beginning of the show, but there's also been some reason for some disappointment. It's been an up-and-down season, and there's been some really ugly moments for this football team. But my biggest disappointment relates to a position group that you might not quite expect. I'll touch on that position group in just a couple moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. Now, obviously, it's already going to be stressful when you're trying to buy last-minute tickets for a sporting event. But that stress becomes magnified when you're trying to get tickets for a game that is already sold out. And that is the case with South Carolina's upcoming football game against the Florida Gators two Saturdays from now, which apparently, as of Monday afternoon, is already sold out. So, if you're trying to find some last-minute tickets that might pop up when someone decides that they're not going to go to the football game, be sure to do it with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Welcome back to this Tuesday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your team every single day. And as always, thank you to each and every one of you everydayers who make the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your daily choice for South Carolina sports coverage. Don't miss out on our Friday show because I plan on having Brian Smith, Locked On's recruiting insider on the show, to give us the latest on some of these prospects that South Carolina is still in the game for, including running back prospect Daniel Hill. So don't miss out on all of that coming up on Friday right here on Locked on Gamecocks. Now getting back to sort of evaluating how this team has performed so far this season. In terms of the biggest disappointment, it really stinks that Trey Docks and Joshua Simon haven't been utilized to their fullest capabilities so far this year. And the reason for that in my opinion, isn't so much related to the coaching staff, but more so related to another issue that has surfaced on the offense, and that is the offensive line's inability to, quite frankly, uh, consistently play well in terms of protecting their quarterback. Because of that, the Gamecocks plenty of times this year have had to keep Trey Knox and Joshua Simon in line with the offensive line to help them in maybe some six- and seven-man protection schemes or possibly chip block off of an edge defender 
in order to give the offensive tackles a better advantage in their one-on-ones. Dow Loggins admitted this a week or two ago in his weekly Wednesday press conference with the media. He basically said something to the effect of, you know, we got to protect Spencer Rattler. And so that has meant that there have been times where they've just kept these tight ends back here Again, in the box with these offensive linemen so that Spencer Rattler has got a better chance just to get the football out and give the Gamecocks a chance to march down the football field. Both of these guys are hurt by this in different ways. For Joshua Simon, the thing that hurts him in particular is the fact that Simon is a lanky tight end. He's more of that modern day tight end that could do a little bit of everything. He can block for you. He can sort of act as an H back in the backfield. And he also can go downfield and be a threat in the passing game. He also does not have quite the size that Trey Knox has. And so for Simon, his biggest positive or what he offers in the passing game is his ability to run down the field. And that could mean running down the seams or potentially using the entire middle portion of the football field. But unfortunately for Simon, a lot of those kind of route concepts involve a lot of time passing by, a lot of progression having to be made. And the offensive line right now, as I talked about on this show, uh, they just cannot offer that consistently enough, especially when South Carolina is facing an opponent that on paper is more talented than they are. And so Simon has not been able to do that very much in the offense so far this year. If he has gotten any catches, I'm pretty sure they've all basically been in the shorter areas of the field. And that just does not fit exactly what he brings to this football team. You talk about Trey Knox and how him being held back for pass protection hurts him. Trey Knox His skill set's a little bit different than Joshua Simons. Trey Knox is a bigger tight end, both I believe in terms of his height, but also in terms of just his sheer girth, the weight that he brings, because I believe he's about 250 pounds. But he moves really well for his size. And the thing with Trey Knox, bringing him into this program, was that everybody envisioned that Trey Knox was a guy that was going to be a big threat in the red zone, especially because of the size that he has. He could be a guy that you could just basically run out on a spacing route or a quick hitch somewhere, again, in the shorter area of the field. And even if a defender's right there, you trust that with his size and the strength that he does possess as basically a converted wide receiver, that Trey Knox could make an impact for you in that area of the game. But this Gamecock offense right now, it's just not built to grind out drives. Again, unless you face a team like a Mississippi State, which... um, By looking at the schedule, you've only got one more team this year that fits that billing in Vanderbilt. You're just not going to see that very often. This is an offense right now that, quite frankly, has to be built on the heroics of Spencer Rattler and a bunch of explosive plays to go along with that. That means that you're not going to see South Carolina very often get inside the 20, get inside the 15 or the 10-yard line. And also, therefore, have success because obviously, the closer you get to the opposing team's end zone, the more difficult it is to continue to get yards because there's less space to work with. That cannot protect for longer developing plays right now. The same could be said for plays where, hey, maybe at the beginning, everybody is covered up. And now Spencer Rattler 
He's having to make something happen. He's got to stand in there a little bit longer. See if somebody can run to a area of green grass, an open area on the field. He's got to run outside of the pocket and hope somebody is tailing kind of along with him, running parallel to where he's running on the field, and he can make a throw near the sideline. Trey Knox is not exactly quite built for that. He's a guy that you try to get the ball to almost immediately in the red zone when you're down there. But again, for an offense that's built on explosives right now, you're just not going to see that happen very often. And so, for differing reasons, Joshua Sion and Trey Knox, they're being hurt by this offense right now. But mainly, this offense having to work around all the issues that they've got along the offensive line. And that stinks because when I talked to Jody Wright back at South Carolina's Media Day event in late July, early August, he flat out told me that he thought that this was a deeper and more talented tight end room because of all the different skill sets that they brought compared to what they had last year. And unfortunately so far, they just haven't been able to utilize that to its fullest extent, to its fullest capabilities. And so for me, because of that, the biggest disappointment to this point in the year for South Carolina has been their inability to utilize their tight end room to its fullest capabilities because of the other issues that they've got going on on the offensive side of the football. Now, in terms of the second half of this football season, I've got one big question regarding certain players and maybe how much they're playing right now and if they should be playing a little bit more. I know that's a conversation that a lot of Gamecock fans have already been having so far this week. So we're going to dive into that conversation ourselves in just a couple of moments. Today's show is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Now, it is officially fall, which means for some people, you're starting to get those special pumpkin spice lattes, those pumpkin spice drinks that you get, whether it be at Starbucks, maybe Dunkin' Donuts, or at your local grocery stores. But it also means that we're starting to see cooler temperatures here in the state of South Carolina. We're starting to see temperatures in the low 70s instead of the 80s or the 90s and even the 100s that we see during the summer. And because of those cooler temperatures, that also means that it's a perfect time to wear and get bird dogs, whether it be bird dog shorts or pants, because bird dogs are comfortable and, most importantly, they are breathable, which works perfectly for this time of year. So go to birddogs.com slash college or enter promo code LockedOnCollege at checkout for a free bird dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash college for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you that. Welcome back to today's edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day in just 30 minutes. Now, in terms of the biggest question that I have for the South Carolina Gamecocks moving forward in the 2023 season My question is, is South Carolina going to make more personnel changes at other positions? Because as much as some fans have been upset about the fact that maybe certain players have not seen the field more at particular spots, South Carolina's coaching staff, they have made some changes in terms of their starting lineup. Obviously, at running back, we now are seeing Mario Anderson Jr., getting more snaps over to carry on Joyner along the offensive line. Trevor Balade has taken over that left tackle spot. 
Right tackle, Tyshaw Watermaker, for now, is playing ahead of Sidney Fugard. At defensive tackle, T.J. Sanders took over one of the starting roles from Taka Hemingway at that spot. And then, at defensive back, Jalen Kilgore is now playing at strong safety, and Nick Evanworry, at least for the time being, seems to be the Gamecocks' new nickel corner because of some of the injuries that have taken place there, and also, admittedly, some inconsistent play at that spot as well. So at what other positions could some changes be made heading into the final seven games of the regular season here? Well, the first one alludes to a position that I actually just brought up a couple moments ago, and that is the right tackle spot. Because I'll be honest, I don't know if South Carolina is still getting the most out of that position at this very moment in time. Tasha Watermaker, again, he's a guy that has been in this program now for several years. He's a guy that was an all-freshman SEC player in 2021, sort of his first year of significant action for this football team. But Tasha Watermaker, he just continues to struggle in some of these football games. He did all right against Mississippi State, but against Tennessee, And admittedly, this went for multiple guys up front. It was not just him, but Tennessee's defensive linemen, they just had a field day. And for the Gamecocks, I think you do have to wonder if there's maybe something else you could do, like, say, bump Ja'Kai Moore out to right tackle and start Javon Bott right guard in his steed. Or you could maybe put Sidney Fugard back out there if you feel like that, hey, maybe Fugard's gotten better in practice Maybe he would be a bit more prepared this time around compared to the first time around when he started in week one against North Carolina. Either way, right tackle, in my opinion, is a position to continue to watch moving forward because I don't think we're done seeing changes made at that spot. Wide receiver. Tyshawn Russell and Nicholas Harper have now been brought up several times by Shane Beamer. We talked about this a little bit on the Monday show. I know that there's some fans out there that want to see Nicholas Harper get on the field more. I also think that it would not be surprising if Eddie Lewis maybe got some more snaps as the second half of this season progresses. Because my question I have, particularly at that slot wide receiver position, with Amari Brown now getting close to 100% and probably being back in that starting role, should Luke Doty continue to be the backup slot wide receiver for this football team? Because let's be honest, I just don't know what all he offers at wide receiver. I just don't. He's an experienced kid. He's a good kid. He works hard. He does whatever the team asks of him. I get all of that. But at some point, I think that you've got to admit that if you cannot run this guy on anything more than, say, some arrow routes into the flat or on some RPOs, which I've seen now Luke Doty be a part of on several occasions, and you can't really run him down the field, I you've got to probably play somebody else. Eddie Lewis, I don't know what all goes on in practice. None of us know what goes on in practice, but Eddie Lewis, in my opinion, just offers a little bit more explosivity as the backup slot wide receiver instead of Luke Doty. So will Eddie Lewis get more snaps there? We'll see. Also, on the outside, Omega Blake. Talked about him needing to be more consistent. If Omega Blake, let's say, continues to have more performances like he had against maybe Tennessee or North Carolina and not many performances where he's putting up, you know, 60 plus receiving yards like he did against Georgia in week three. 
if he continues to do that, then at what point do you decide maybe Nicholas Harper, Tyshawn Russell, even if they're not 100% ready, you just give them some more snaps. You take out Omega Blake a little bit more, put those guys in more, and see if they can make things happen. Some guys are just flat-out gamers. Guys that show up when the lights come on more so than what you see in practice. You cannot fully replicate all in-game situations in practice like you tried to do. So maybe we see a little bit more of that as the season progresses. The last position I'll bring up is linebacker. Grayson Pup Howard. I looked at some pro football focus grades on Monday for this football team, and I particularly was looking at the freshmen to see how they were performing so far. And I came across Pup Howard's grades. And Pup Howard, in the limited action that he has gotten so far, he's doing pretty well. He's played 70 snaps to this point in the season on defense. And in those 70 snaps, Pup Howard has a 74.2 overall defensive grade. That's the third highest grade on the football team. He has a rush defense grade of 81. That's the second highest mark on the football team. He has a tackling grade of 84.6. That is the third highest on the football team. And he has a coverage grade of 66.4. That is the highest out of all the linebackers on this roster. Talked about it after the Tennessee game. We continue to see some fundamental mistakes made at the second level and third level of this South Carolina defense. At linebacker in particular, Stone Blanton, again, it's he's had some good moments this season. But he also continues to be inconsistent. A lot more inconsistent than Debo Williams has been. So what I wonder is, do you put Grayson Pup powered out there a little bit more? I'm not saying bench Stone Bland. I'm just saying, again, give some more opportunities to Pup Howard. See what he does when being out there on the field a little bit longer than he usually is. And if he continues to perform like he has so far based on what the pro football focus grades indicates, then do you consider making a change there? There are a lot of important decisions that this staff has to make over the next couple of weeks because you can't make these changes by week 10 or 11 because at that point, the majority of the regular season has taken place and any sort of retrospective mistakes that you might have recognized in terms of personnel decisions, there's not very much you could do at that point in order to make up for that. There just isn't. So, I am very curious to see, specifically at right tackle, the back of wide receiver positions, and also linebacker, what the staff decides to do in terms of which guys are playing. Because those are the kind of decisions that could help this team potentially take a game that maybe right now, they look like they would be an underdog in. So, we'll see what the staff does in terms of those spots moving forward. With that being said, that's going to do it for today's edition of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast. I hope you all thoroughly enjoyed today's show, as always. Who do you all think has been the biggest bright spot for this team so far this season? Whether it's been a certain player or maybe a certain position group. What do you think the biggest disappointment has been? And what is your biggest question about this team heading into the second half of the regular season? Let me know your thoughts down below in the comments section if you've watched today's show on YouTube or should we direct message on Twitter at A-Line underscore SC if you listen to today's show on an audio podcast app. Once again, thank you all so much for tuning in as always. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, and I'll be sure to catch you all on the next show 
of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.